Welcome to Hit Different, your weekly music culture podcast with me, Mikey Carl, Sosafia Molly, and special guest Winston McCall. Y'all, hi Winston, how are you? I'm doing good. Nice intro. Thank you, sir. <laughs> On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Jaguar Johns' uh, new Flame Emoji single and the ramifications and the hopeful fallout of all this. What's the good word for fallout? Fallout boy. And what are you talking about? Sauce? Going to be talking about a new way that artists are starting to connect with their fans, whether or not it's healthy, do we like it? Going to be breaking down artist and fan connections some more. And also we'll be diving into Winston McCall's career with Parkway Drive and everything that makes him tick and everything that's got him to the point where he's wearing a quality vanishing elephant shirt that his mate hoarded for him. It doesn't work on <laughs> a podcast, but it kind of does. It's a visual, black and white kind of it. Elephanty designs. <laughs> Not often that we get a podcast guest that is on par with Mikey Carl's fashion choices. I think you've done it. Thank you. I'll take. I'll take that. Considering considering the tropical number you got on. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I got shot on an hour ago by a bird while I was meditating. I'm wearing a I'm wearing a Blake Scott t shirt. And I was like, you know what? This is good. I'm not taking this T-shirt off. Just a little bit of Mm -mm. green poop. There you go. It's good luck, isn't it? I hear it's good luck to get crapped on by a bird. It is. Whoever came up with that, what a genius. (laughs) Being a bird's toilet's good luck. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) Friends, uh, we are here. We have arrived. We are going to throw down now. Let's get into it. Here's a bit of music. Right, something happened today, something very exciting, and that's Jaguar John's comeback with a new single, Who Died and Made You the King. Beautiful. It's massive. Brisbane artist releasing an upbeat chin slapper, Who Died and Made You King. Uh, it's all about the toxic culture as well in the music industry. Actually samples Dennis Hanlon saying, I believe we must have zero tolerance on those who think they are bigger than the artist. Delicious irony. Thicker than camembert cheese on a yummy cracker. Perfectly timed as well for tonight's Monday, that's Monday, <laughs> tonight's Four Corners episode, aka Dennis's Time to Shine. Yeah, the track is is overtly about, about Hanlon, and of course we can make it a, a, a sort of a much broader and, and much wider because at the moment, uh, thankfully, the music industry is definitely going through a, a, a Me Too kind of <laughs> cleaning out some attrition, getting rid of the, um, the jerks. And I feel like Jaguar John just really owning the moment by pulling this judo move throwing all that negative energy back out and turning it into something positive. First lyrics, I'm leading, I'm the voice of change, your downfall isn't far away. So now some discussion has also been sort of sparked by uh, music critic uh, Leanne D'Souza, and she's saying, where are the rock stars and famous pop divas who are not finding the courage to condemn this behavior and the harm caused to so many people that built their careers? So there's some discussion about whether, yeah, Sony artists and other artists in other record labels should be actually going, calling them out, and whether it's the onus is on the artists to do this or whether it's people within the company or whether it's actually you know what these poor artists that you know it's a rough time you have to basically get lucky and get on some playlists or you know tour your ass off which is very difficult during covid to really make a goal of it so what's your take on, on all this and this this single i feel like the the single 
definitely has more impact if you've been able to watch the music video. The vision behind it is just so kind of intensely personal to what I, I feel like Dina or Jaguar Jones has been through herself. But the song itself is like, I wouldn't say it's a banger, but I feel like it's, mm -hmm. it's definitely something that could be put into a set and people could still dance to and still have fun to despite the, the lyricism being quite pointed and quite thinly veiled in terms of who and what she's talking about. I, I did read something, I, I feel like she may have said it in a press release or in an interview how she felt like over the last year or so that we've seen all the Me Too stuff, all the Beneath the Glass Ceiling stuff come out, we've seen all of these big industry heads sort of being ousted from their roles and she's played a big part in publicly advocating for change in the industry. I believe I read her saying something like, because she's had to do all of that, she's sacrificed a lot of her artistry in the process to become a bit more of a champion and an activist. But this is a way of her sort of reclaiming that sense of artistry. So I do feel like musicians right now, especially musicians who are deciding to take more of a stand and become activists a bit more in this field, it is a bit of a balancing act when it comes to creating art that's reflective of what's happening because it's like, is that what your musical legacy is then going to be defined for or is it going to then be harder for you to maybe break out of that and to maybe explore, you know, just music that just wants to have fun or, you know, music that kind of um, pulls from a completely different area of your life or, you know, something just even more fucking fantastical that isn't rooted in real life shit. Like, is it going to be harder to do that? You know, that remains to be seen. But I feel like it's a perfect song for her to come out with now. The response to it is still very early days, but I feel like people are here for it, and especially with the Four Corners expose coming up. Yeah, heads are going to roll, baby. You know? Hope so. Let's go, girls. Yeah. Winston, have you heard the track? What do you think of it all? Yeah, I think it's a really good song. And I think um, even with, like, I haven't seen the music video, and I think knowing the context of it makes it hit even harder. Stripping the context away, it's still a really great piece of music. If, if you just took it, face value is here's some tunes really 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 good this the sampling in in the middle of that bridge yeah. is <laughs> so cutting it's uh, it's absolutely incredible but it's it's a really interesting point to, to say how she's had to bear the weight and juggle like feel like the the artistry is taking a back a backward step like in terms of like being put on the back burner for for having to advocate for this change especially mm -hmm. the position she's been put in to be honest with the, the entire hierarchical structure of the, the music industry, the artist is literally the bottom. It's the bottom. Mm -hmm. The person that creates the art is at the bottom. So they're the ones that have the most to lose. That's it. Um, and they're the ones with the least amount of power. So to be swinging up constantly and to decide that like you're to push your art in a direction where it's going to be that uncompromising in a certain aspect is a really difficult challenge. To make because Sazay, uh, you got it really right with like everything you said in terms of how the art is then going to be perceived. What's it do for future artwork? Is it going to be defining or anything like mm -hmm. that? Any box it might put you in. Those are all 100% things that you have to consider when you're doing it. And it's a really, especially if someone got into an industry, like started making their art just to be more fantastical, have an outlet that wasn't as activist based and all of a sudden it's very hard not to be when that's your route out of this and you, you're mm. addressing such a massive 
problem within the the industry that you're now part of. She spoke to NME last year about her advocacy work and said, I just want people to know that they're not alone. And whenever they're ready, there are others that will be there for them who will believe in them. Would have been a very, very rough couple of years for her as well. You know, like everyone oh, yeah. leading, up, leading up to this because... Before this, she doesn't. She hasn't had a quote-unquote hit. There's, there's no song I associate with, with, with Jaguar Johns and go, okay, that's that's. She's a, so I feel like this is her moment. This is her moment where she's actually going to go up and up and up. Um, and even the, the the other sample of the little things she goes, Ugh, that's a really cool. Yeah. Know, we're living in a post Billie Eilish dark world, and I feel yeah. like that that could really catch on. And God, that could be TikTok. You know, who knows? Like we absolutely. Wish her all the success in, in the world. In terms of, of advocacy work, Winston, you're in an interesting position now where I'm sure you get contacted every other week where someone's asking you to do something or, hey, man, can you – because you're seen as someone very successful and you with through your band, Parkway Drive, being quite successful. How do you sort of navigate that and also just as a successful white male, where are you sort of standing with it all and kind of like trying to do stuff but trying to not get in the way? Like tell us about, you know, all that navigation. White man in music industry, pretty much the most privileged person going, to be honest. <laughs> it's it's interesting. I, we, I haven't actually been hit up all that much, to be honest. I've actually found myself taking a backward step during all of this for basically mental health reasons. Mm-hmm. Where as soon as COVID hit, I found there being such a buildup of, um, of attention being on myself and the, well, I'm not sure about the rest of the band, but on myself, the point where it, it, I felt it becoming quite toxic. I've never in... I've never been a, that much of a public person other than the screaming and yelling sure. you see on stage. Like I, <laughs> if someone's like, yo, Winston, I'm like, where do I know that person from? I, it never clicks to me that they know me outside of just me and my very yeah. small group of friends. <laughs> yeah, I found that people decided that they'd make judgments about who I was and who I wasn't based on the very scant information of who I was out in the media. So it was, mm. it's, it's been a hard thing. In the, the run-up to that, I was doing what I could with uh, some Indigenous youth uh, services and with local services for, um, they were like trying to doing what we can to support the Byron Youth Centre in town to help promote basically an outlet for youth culture in our town. Like we live in an amazing place with very little, like Byron's insanely underfunded when it comes to anything youth-based because there's no money in, well, you can't make money off the kids. So it was, uh, sure. we live in a vexed environment here. So there's been a lot of local stuff, which we've been part of basically up until I kind of receded though. Those were the areas where I was, yeah, well doing what I could. Yeah. It is actually impressive. Like you're talking about essentially pre- preserving your mental, your mental health and your mental peace through this time, which I feel like for all artists is, has been so difficult, but yet so crucial but it has been really impressive to see how you've been able to to kind of maintain your privacy and, and to maintain some sense of sanity and, and you know, keeping your yeah. circle tight because it would be easy to to kind of let yourself either spiral or even kind of go further into your shell, you know what I mean, just through this time, especially not being able to be on stage. That's it. It's, it's been a massive shift. Like it started before not being on stage. It probably... In the last record cycle before we stopped, it was just the popularity of the band became such that it was hard to find any privacy. Like, to be honest, the the place we got recognised least was in Byron, which was a Mm. real trip. So it was nice to be able to come back and this was kind of our sanctuary. But even then it started bleeding out in terms of like the the amount of tourists coming in. Like you you can go down to the supermarket without someone going, yo, can I have a photo of this, that, something else, which is 
which is always really nice. Like I, not, I like meeting people, but then all of a sudden it clicked over into this other aspect of like, there is an, what, there is an expectation of, and a perception of who you are and it will take on a life of its own without you interacting whatsoever. At that point in time, I was on social media and it'd be that thing of like, here's a picture of me doing something and then a thousand random observations or judgments made about you. And Mm. it's very hard to, when you're in that cycle, Mm. to be able to go, okay, like I don't actually need to do this. At this point in time, I was like, I've got to do this for the band. I've got to be on social media and I've got to promote these things and I've got to be present. Everyone, like our culture these days is like, interact with everyone and everything all the time and to be honest mm. that's not me like i interact with my cat and my wife <laughs> that's it. so that's it like i get on stage and i do my thing and i love it like and i love connecting with people that way but to be honest like putting myself out there for all these people is is not me and it took me a while to realize that that's okay mm-hmm. that, like the way that culture is going with the constant exposure to everything doesn't fit with everyone and it was okay yeah. to, to not do that as much as people are like I need more of you. Why aren't you responding to me? I hate you. You should send me a birthday message. Like join the queue of a thousand other people who have said, can you video yourself doing a dance for my birthday? And <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's, it's, it was yeah. really weird. I can so. see you age 65 on uh, Cameo. Uh, yeah, that's doing, it. Do, doing just that, you know. Doing just that. Yeah. <laughs> I got a retirement plan. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Shit. Fantastic. You know, talking about, I guess, the sort of dismantling of a lot of far ingrained levels of the industry and seeing a lot of these people who've been in these roles kind of exit. And I feel like it's a good thing because it's breaking open the gates for for fresh voices and for fresh experienced people to come in and hopefully build something new for for other people to actually benefit from. Mm. I wanted to know a bit about parkway because i know you know being self-managed but also being able to elevate yourselves as much as you have done globally over the last couple of years do you feel like being self-managed and keeping that circle tight has made you a bit more alert or maybe hyper protective about how parkway as a band but also a brand has been represented or dealt with globally when it terms to like when it comes to outside industry influences oh yes 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 to all of them Uh, uh, like a million (laughs) times over the thing that we realized coming into this i think when you come in as an essentially an outsider to the music industry and in terms of zero aspiration the fact that we became successful is literally the last thing that anyone would expect because (laughs) it's taken not only us growing a band but growing an entire musical scene and culture to the point in this country where it is successful it's not like there was tens of thousands of people going to metal or hardcore shows when we started it was like tens of people we had to grow everything from the ground up and there was not like there was interest we we never had major label interest or anything like that coming for us it was always independent and it was always people we knew um, and that meant that there was always responsibility for us to take on anything we needed to do to push ourselves. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. like you, you could go and ask someone to do it, but it would be, it's not so much an ulterior motive on their behalf, but we would never be someone's number one earner. So, and we're aware that if that's the case on a hierarchical roster of someone's interests in the music industry, you're going to fall down the bottom. So you're going to get crumbs. So we'd rather figure out how to do those jobs ourselves. Yeah and grow in that way. So what that's led to is basically us having, I think, a pretty intimate knowledge of how this industry works, 
how to get something done and what effort needs to be taken to learn how to get something done if you're not going to hire someone else to do it or if you don't have the trust that someone else is going to have your best interests in mind. So that's been our entire thing worldwide, like the whole way through. And it's why we hold on to, to the people we trust as well. Like it's, it takes uh, a, a long time for us to, to grow to a point where we either outgrow something or it does like, it's rare that something doesn't just straight up work out and that someone makes it into the circle that we misjudged. And that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty much been it in every aspect of what we do up until this point. So that's, that's the best way I can describe us having got through it. Like everyone's taken on extra little roles and the, like this, it goes down to the grassroots of all the creativity, all of, all of the creation side of everything we do has an, a member of the band being in the core element of it. And then we just get other people to help us, uh, see the fully realized picture because they obviously have more specialized skills. You can't be everything when you're trying to do this, <laughs> but at the same time, you can, you can dictate the direction it's going rather than just take your hands off the wheel. Definitely. So what was it about the work that a company like Destroy All Lines do? What, what made that give you guys the green light to be like, okay, cool. We're going to let them into the inner sanctum and work with them <laughs> in that level. They're good. The trust level, we've seen that company grow from literally their start and we felt it was a time for a, like an evolution for us. And Chris was someone that we'd worked with previously and we got him and he got us. And it wasn't even, I think we hit him up rather than him hitting us up. Like it was, we did Good Things Festival. Uh, it was the last thing we played before this whole thing shut down. I think it was the end of 2019. And that was incredibly well done. And that was the first time that, we'd been able to headline a festival in this country and that someone had actually given us that slot. Yeah. Which, which is a, a really, really big deal. Like it's, it, it was a massive deal for us and the way they treated us and the way they put the whole thing together, we we're like, this is legit. Like it's, they've got their head screwed on, but at the same t- point in time, it's not screwed on, shoved up their ass, which is something that you really have to watch out for. In, That's in our pull quote. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, they've got like, they've got their shit together and they're really, really good. And that's kind of been it. Like it's mm-hmm. fantastic. There's no extra like trickery or any layers or anything to it. And there's no like promises of we're going to make you the next biggest thing on the planet. It's just like you're legit people, your heart's in the right place and we trust you. There you go. You're in. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And we'll be talking uh, a bit about, you know, that artist and fan connection in just a moment, but perhaps someone like destroy Alliance has able to, uh, to sort of, what's the word to be a conduit and just sort of develop and, and kind of maintain that. Friends, you can find Hit Different on Facebook and hunt down myself, Mr. McCall, perhaps on socials. It just Have you got any? <laughs> you're off the socials. Find him on very, very Cameo. Smart. Find him on Cameo. Yeah, very soon. find me on Cameo. <laughs> 40 bucks on a Cameo. pop. 40 bucks a pop. Yeah. It's up to you, Charlie Sheen or Winston McCall. Up to you. Uh, in just a moment, Sosa is going to talk all about this new text message service. No, we're not talking about Craig Kelly. And we're back. <laughs> we're back and we're live. Sos the Bose, give us the uh, 411 on everything going on with this new fan engagement. Okay. Well, Warner Music 
has signed a new deal with this text messaging platform called Community. The way it works is that select Warner artists will be given the ability to personally text their fans through a dedicated number. So it's a new way of keeping their fans across exclusive releases or ticket sales, merch drops, all of that stuff without the interference of having ads or spam or, you know, having people's algorithms get all the way fucked up. I feel like it could go one of two ways. We all know, like, there is that real um, dependence on social media and being present all the time, and I Mm, feel like... content monster. Exactly. So now developing something where artists can be possibly even in more contact with their fans on arguably a more personal level. I feel like that could just sort of heighten those things. Not saying that like artists will be like texting on the reg with their fans or anything, but I feel like maybe it could make the expectations from the fans' point of view a bit stronger and maybe that could sort of upend the expectation of what an artist is meant to give even more. We've seen that the average open rates through these community numbers have been upwards of 95% of opens within the first three minutes of a fan receiving the message with an average of 59% clicking through to whatever it may be. So the stats are kind of there for it. Um, Scott Cherkin, who is the Senior Vice President of Global Audience Strategy at Warner, has said that the model has helped them cut through the noise, gives them an authentic... (laughs) personal and unique way to reach the super fans. So this direct line is, um, you know, it's making... Winston is pinching his nose it's... and laughing. I know. <laughs> I'm so keen to hear your thoughts on it because... <laughs> it is a direct line. It's their phone number. It's their phone number. It's, so it's, it's the like most direct a, line you get. <laughs> a new way of um, you know, saying, fuck, fuck the mailing list, just give us your number. and uh... oh, Just give me the address and we'll have a meet and greet at my front door. Exactly. Well, <laughs> this the is the thing. Like, oh, man. So what do we think about it? Is it in, like, how invasive are we willing to go? Yeah. To make sure? I mean, far out. That's nuts. I mean, this is the kind of thing that makes me feel like an old, old person. Because, <laughs> like, this, the, to be honest, like, this is the kind of, like, it's it's symptomatic of, of I think society in general, like, and the, exactly what you said, the content monster. It's, when they're referring to the super fan, like if you're necessitating a personal message, like you don't even have to sign into your DMs to get that to get that merch drop yeah. anymore. It's coming to your phone, and you're starting to expect that. What kind of fan engagement is it actually fostering in the first place? That's mm-hmm. like for me, that's it's literally just dance monkey dance, like. The artist is no longer about the actual music. It's about that cult that they're creating and it's the cult of consuming the personality, mm. which is, I guess, like that is just another way of driving the product, but the product is becoming less the art. And can it be world building? Of course it can. <laughs> can the two uh, sort of coexist between that cult and world building or, or is world building simply, you know, sort of um, record company PR talk for you know, a, a band. I think it, I think it can like the, essentially it's just another way of, of creating, like it's another avenue of creation. I do get that in the sense of it being, it's a direct like line of communication with the super fan. But at the same point in time, 
what super fan is not on social media these days, like on Insta and can copper a notification or something. For me, it reeks of heightening that, like that fix, that yeah. addictive fix of like, they're talking to me personally, or like, I need this. We're just in a world where like, what's like, what is really off limits in terms of yeah. into either fan manipulation or, or tapping into that monetizing of every single aspect. Like it's weird when you see, because I get why I get why it would be lucrative from like a business point of view. Because say you're chucking in like a link for them to click through to that adds to your pre-saves or it adds to you know a YouTube count or whatnot. I get that, but then it's like when you can see fans like screenshotting the messages and being like, oh my god, I just had this intensely personal experience with Winston from Parkway Drive. Oh my god, oh my god, he's my best friend. He told me to buy 20 T-shirts and I'm going to do it because... Yeah. Exactly, exactly, because he, he he has my phone number now. So, like, that weird... He's got my phone number. He's going to got a new you Crazy Fog I mean? ringtone coming out. Exactly. <laughs> T-shirts, like, you, get, you get one free Vanishing Elephant shirt at the end of that too, which is good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it, that that's kind of strange to me because it's, again, it's heightening that expectation of, of what we want from artists. And it, you're, like you were saying, it's getting further away from actually celebrating the music, you know? Well, that's, yeah. We absolutely need more mystery for the artist's sake and for totally. the art's sake, you know? PJ Harvey yeah. is a good example of someone who keeps sort of pulling away. David Bowie had a, did it really artfully as well. He would, I mean, when he, at the height of Ziggy Stardust, he bailed. <laughs> I remember yeah. when the Easy Beats, the Easy Beats were catching trains in Melbourne and their manager found out and they said, you will not get on one more fucking train in your life. Rock stars don't go on trains. <laughs> <So> <laughs> they were banned from using public transport, which is pretty cool. Yeah, with Patreon, they expect a fan base between one to five percent, realistically, of a fan base, like a, a decent-sized fan base, signs up to Patreon and pays money per month. So, if you're in the Patreon community, say you're a hiatus Coyote fan or something for Kate or, or Parkway Drive, and you're sort of very, very into it, then I, I think I, I see I see a value and I see a, a nice connection from from band mm. to 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 fan if it's done well. And we all know, I mean. Andrew Denton, when he talks about when he talks about um, euthanasia, people say there's a slippery slope. Say a slippery slope is a very black and white way, way of putting things. You know what I mean? Like, so I guess the, my point being, if it's done well and it's done sort of tastefully, there's not onus on the actual band and the artist like yourself, Winston, having to fucking come up with a, a new little you know rhyme or a new little sort of extra <laughs> little morsel of content. <laughs> I think it, it could be it could be really not lovely and and it, and it could be especially at a time now when we we are so freaking disconnected. I think it um it's definitely some benefits there if it's not gross. Mm. At the same time, we all need to back the fuck away from our phones, and this is just another thing that's going to yeah. draw us to our phones. <laughs> so that's, that's exactly it. It's a bit Ouroboros, it's the snake eating its tail. Call me a cynic, but at the end of the day, I highly doubt the person that's made this call has thought. It's just going to be a really nice way of making someone feel good. <laughs> I, you can guarantee it's it's just another way of, like they said, cutting through the noise and getting mm-hmm. someone to click, <laughs> to to re-engage with that thing that's generating the income. Like if you look about, if you if you look back at that, that whole, the numbers and the release that you just read, like it's, it's literally just about generating more income for totally. a corporation. Like there's nothing, there's very little to do with like 
this will heighten the art. This is that this creates oh, a way yeah. of more connection to the actual anything to do with the art. It's literally about driving revenue. The fact it's coming from Warner as well makes me go, yeah. One of the bit like I think the second biggest is it Warner? Or, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure the second biggest music corporation on the on the planet. Mm-hmm. Not short of a quid. Yeah, how much of that? How much of whatever's driven in the first place actually ends up in the artist's pocket to begin with? Like, it goes back mm-hmm. to your, your earlier point that yeah, the artist should not be at the bottom of the food chain. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I feel like someone's like someone's going to be getting a big old bonus at Warner for coming up with this. Someone's got mm. a, another couple of mil coming at the end of the year as a bonus <laughs> for thinking this thing up. And every mm. every artist is not going to see a, a will see a nah. fraction of a cent from that. So. Yeah. <laughs> Off topic, but on topic, I've got the juiciest tidbit of information about somebody who has been ripping off a Melbourne band for the last few years, just ripping them off and posting pictures from Bermuda and look at me on my vacation. And I found out the name of this person. And I think we're going to be talking about this in, in the next few weeks of Hit Different with a legal team okay. on our side, but just calling out absolute bullshit because it's it's not cool. And uh yeah, I asked three people today and the third person told me who it was. Yes. Nice. <laughs> nice. The inside goss. Watch this space. I, I left a little few a few breadcrumbs there. Um, you've already sort of spoken, uh, Winston, about, you know, pulling away from, from, from social media and making sure you, you've got enough time for yourself. In this time when you're not able to um, perform and kind of, it's so cathartic what you do. You know, you're not exactly shoegaze. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you have a dip and I, I feel the same as way. Like I, this morning I had a bit of over like anxiety because I'm like, I don't get anxiety. And it's because I haven't DJed in front of a fucking crowd in so long, mm. you know, like stuff yeah. that I yeah. need to do. And I'm hearing Jimmy giggle incessantly <laughs> in the background of, of my house with my beautiful daughter, etc. So, Tell us about the, the stuff that you're you're doing during this pandemic to make sure that you you know keep on on top of your game as, as much as anyone is on top of their game at the moment. Oh, basically, it took complete surrender to start with. Of like, yeah, nothing we can do is going to stop what is happening. Like this entire thing, like it's so far out of our our wheelhouse in terms of being able to like, let alone the laws, like the fact that this thing's raging worldwide and everything borders Mm. are shut. Like there's, you were just like, all right, tell us when we can come back. I I knew from the word go that like the arts was going to be literally thrown in the gutter immediately by the government, which was. Fucked in the arts. Yeah, of course. It's it's always the first (laughs) thing to get completely screwed. Let's say, let's, let's see what happens when there's a, a natural disaster who they want to perform. Exactly. Raise the monies. It's going to be very interesting to see. Yep. That's me bitching and whining out of the way. No, no, no. Good. That's why we're here. That is why we're here. Three way therapy session. We were at year 17 of doing this nonstop, like completely flat out 17 years. Uh, It wasn't until like we stopped that I realized it had been, as much as we have breaks in between, like a month on, a month off, or whatever that it hadn't stopped, that it had not, that feeling had not left my body of being in this grinding machine that is mm. Parkway, of building and building and building and creating and creating and loving it. But then all of a sudden it's completely taken away to the point where like there wasn't even something to look at as a comparison of like if we're not working now, the mute, the scene's still going. Like everything, the whole world was stopped. To sink into that was, um, it's been really nice once we surrendered, like being able to be at home and be present and not have this the feeling that we're either missing out on something that's going because we're not going or I should be 
driving myself towards this next goal. I was just like, hit the off switch. Ding. That was it. Yeah. Which has been really cool. We started like about six months in, we started writing for a new record, which has been really nice because it's the first time we've ever been able to write music with no end goal in mind. Because at this point in time, it's like, we've been doing it for like a year and a half now. And the whole way through, we're like, we don't know if this music industry is ever coming back. I don't know if people yeah. are even going to survive. Like as far as I know, there's a mutation around the, the, the corner that's literally just going to wipe everything out and whatever. So just write music because it's fun. So we just have just been sitting around writing tunes, which has been super rad and connecting with our families. And it's, it's the, the really, really odd thing has been, I can't remember what it's like to be on stage anymore. I have wow. no, like, I, I can remember vision of it, but I don't have a connection to it. Like the, the chemical connection that I used to have of being able to picture the, the feeling of being out there that would, that would like, as soon as it came up in my mind, like my body would go into that ready state. It doesn't exist anymore, which is such a trip. Um, to the point where like after, after a year of it being out, I, and when the documentary came out on Netflix, I watched it again. And I was like, holy shit, is this what we do? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, all, the last time I'd watched it, I was in that mode. Like, I was at a yeah. premiere going, here's what we do. I played these gigs three months ago. Like, oh, my God, it's big. But, like, yep, we've played a thousand billion gigs. So, it's all just part of that blur. And then to watch it back and go, uh, once we're completely disconnected from it and go, how the fuck am I on stage in front of all those, those people? Like, why am I not shooting myself for that situation? Yeah. <laughs> and all of it, it was just a complete trip to do. So it's going to be really, really interesting getting back into this. Like, look, we've had band meetings. And I'm like, I don't know if I even want to be in a, in a band anymore. And I don't know that because I'm actively saying I don't like this. It's just I don't yeah. have any reference. I have no reference. So I'm waiting yeah. for that time when we start going again. And I can I can guarantee the first time we stand on stage is going to blow my mind like possibly never never before to be honest so. totally Ooh, let's yeah. dig into that in just a second friends if there's something yeah. we should be covering on the show hit us up <laughs> on the hit different facebook page which uh, our lovely uh producer courtney carthy mans slash humans good on you courtney well done you in just a moment, we are going to go even deeper into yeah. Winston McCall's life. He might have just given us a scoop that he's leaving Parkway Drive. I'm kidding. He's not leaving Parkway Drive. <laughs> but we will be talking can about we not, all can we, can we not get those fans onto us, please? Also, yeah, um, yeah actually, I'll, I'll say something in, in a second. Here we go. And we're back with Winston McCall, Parkway Drive, 17 years a slave, 17 years a king <laughs> in Parkway Drive. <laughs> It's a lot. It's it's heavy, man. It's heavy. I'm. I tell you what. Really interestingly, so John Lennon is on Song Exploded this week with the song God. They found all this uh, archival footage and this archival um him talking about it. Really, really interesting. And in the song God, he says, um, "I don't believe in Churchill. I don't believe in Zimmerman, meaning Bob Dylan. I don't believe in Elvis. I don't believe in the Beatles." And that was his way of kind of going because he just quit the Beatles and he was leaving. And then he said, "I." I believe in me. I believe in Yoko and me. So, f so for you, and I know a lot of people in bands, when they do split up with the band, or when you go through through that process, it's like breaking up with a girlfriend. So, have you had anything previous to Parkway Drive similar to that, or is Parkway Drive like nah. it's been your whole life? It's been my life, Jesus. and I'm like I'm, I'm, I've like my wife and I've been together for twenty one years now. 
Mm-hmm. Like, so, and I've been in the band for 18 years now. So, like, I, I'm a, uh, this, this is the, I just can't articulate it any better. I'm a creature of habit. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, if something grabs me, like, I, I, I dedicate myself to it. Yeah. If it was something I didn't enjoy doing, I would have stopped doing it a very long time ago. And I also, like, I love the people that I collaborate with in the, in the band. Um, it really is, if there was, if there's, if this has been something, I guess, an informative period for, for me in terms of seeing how we operate, I think we all have become very aware within the band of what each member brings to, especially the writing process in terms of, chemistry and a unique quality which doesn't like the culmination of the three people in the writing group getting together and writing is very different once any single one of those threads is pulled out of the out of the weave kind of thing Mm. and I really love what like what we do basically like it's not something that uh, I want to change and it's it's one of those things where as much as you even when you get into fights and you have disagreements about different perception of vision, the vision that we all share over something when everyone comes with a different idea and we, we get it all together is always elevated beyond what any single person had in the, the beginning, which is a really cool thing to, to do. There's no dominating force within the creative like matrix of how we put songs together, but it's always interesting that someone brings a concept and then to watch the other guys throw these things in which you couldn't have conceived but all of a sudden it makes your concept greater um and it works for every single person within like Mm. our our writing group in their own different ways but it always it's doesn't happen where we're like where someone is so clingy to their original vision that there's nothing that there's no no step forward with it so there's nothing to dislike about that process which is rad it's a very convoluted way of saying I like jamming with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Good man. You got to talk about these things. In the lead up to this, I revisited the documentary and 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 some of just some old concert footage. And like <laughs> you, like I'm just like, how the fuck? Like, is there a moment where you wake up and you're just like, we're that band? Yeah, because it's right. like for, for me as like a music fan, like I also remember seeing you at Good Things in Melbourne and just watching the sheer like fuck off level of your stage production. Like how do you get from <laughs> developing out of Byron Bay to then travelling around Europe, accumulating the amount of fans and like fierce fucking fans that you have mm. and putting on a stage production that would be up there with some of the best internationally touring acts as well. Like... When do you have those moments that kind of snap you out of it? I guess prior to being forced when, off the road. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. when COVID hits and you can't Pri- do it anymore. <laughs> prior to all of this, prior to all of this, like, do you have those moments where you're just like, "Damn, how did we get here?" Yeah, there's a there's a lot of them. Like we've had so many of them, and they've been at every single level. It happened when we when we played our first sold out youth center show, and there was like, "We can't let any more people into the bar and youth center." And we're like, "Holy shit, this has never <laughs> happened before." It's happened from there every time on and we've always, we always have these moments where we're like, just remember this gig because it's never going to get any bigger than it is now. But the whole thing's always been tempered by like, it took us, it took us 10 years to have aspiration of any kind and to acknowledge that because um, not only are we making like 
it's still highly unaccessible music. Like as much as our sound has become tempered and like varied over the years, at the end of the day, like you stack it up against anything going on in terms of mainstream music and it's still abrasive as hell. Mm. Like I still sure. sound like the cookie monster for at least 50% of the time <laughs> and the other percent of the time like I sound like a deranged wizard. So <laughs> at the 10-year mark, when the fact that the trajectory had kept going up, we were like, all right, let's look at it for what it actually is. It hasn't stopped. And if it's not going to stop, why not take it seriously? Like mm. there's, there's a big like – we have tall poppy syndrome massively in Australia. If you actually say, I plan on going further, someone says, you're, you're a wanker. So yeah. that yeah. was the last thing we got kind it's, of ever wanted cooked, to do. It's cooked, isn't it? It's so dumb. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And it, like you go to America and someone's like, I want to be the best. And they're like, you go, son. Good for you. you. Go. Make yeah, a million. You go, boy. <laughs> Hope you make a million. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So like, yeah, basically after 10 years, we kind of was like, okay, we know what we're doing. Like, like we don't have to say every interview to be like, how do you do it? We're like, we don't know. We don't even know what we're doing. We're idiots. <laughs> actually, no, we've, we've been doing this for 10 years. We kind of know our shit and we put a lot of effort and blood and sweat and life and sacrifice into this. What it meant was after 10 years, we had very intimate knowledge of every aspect of what we do, what we love, sure. why it connects mm. with people, what our quality control was, how a live gig worked, what people responded to, like the fact that this is all we've cared about. It's never been about the party afterwards. It's never been about getting on a magazine cover. It's like we've always been, we've always been the underdog of everything until someone decides we're not the underdog. Now wait just a minute, Winston. We've seen you on the cover. Was it Bodyboard magazines? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. come yeah, on, come back on the yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, Bodyboard magazines, not Surfer magazines. That's, I hear. That's the thing. There you <laughs> go. Nice little point of difference. Tired. Yeah, and but it but it did it has taken until like to be honest, like the that Vakken show was kinda like the undeniable moment for us. Yeah. Because within even within heavy metal as well, there's a hierarchy. Like it's with anything. And the hierarchy of heavy metal especially is very much seasoned. Like there is a select group of bands that have been doing this for a very long period of time who are very, very good. But to get to a level that's even associated with that is extremely, yeah. extremely hard. And to gain that level of respect from a large enough fan base to be given a slot like that is incredibly difficult. And it was like when the booking for Vakken came through and Luke told me, I was like, you mean like the second stage, right? And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, main stage. I was like, Ooh. is it like the, like the last night? And he's like, no, nah, it's not even the last night. It's like the main night. It's like, <laughs> oh, Okay. Even then, it wasn't. It was one of those things where, right up until we played, I thought it was going to flop. Like I honestly right. was just like, "This is where where in my mind we're still a new band. Like we're one of the first of our generation of bands to to go into that kind of slot." And um, I was just like, "What's going to happen is none of these people, the people out there, will see that we're a young band, and they're going to go nah, and like they're going to go bail." And then like sure. we walked out to the crowd to do our whole big walk on entrance and I was like, Holy fuck, everyone's here. Like <laughs> and it's not it's not gonna rain. There's like no excuse. Like people are chanting for us, like I can't deny that this is actually us. And um that was yeah. kind of that was kind of the the, the one where it, it really kind of just smashed it home into my brain with a fucking sledgehammer of like yeah it's it's crazy yeah before you go out <laughs> crazy. what's what's the ritual for you to really get in the zone we have a like a 
a football, a soccer ball. We kick that around a little bit. It's kind of it. <laughs> but, <laughs> if it ain't break, if it ain't break, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, like we, I, I have like vocal warm ups and stretches and I, like I warm up for like an hour before we play. But other than that, it's pretty, it's pretty loose. Like we know what we're doing. We are, we love what we do. And the show that you see these days, it's, it's like, it's dangerous. So it's rehearsed. Like yeah. there's, there's obviously we're free to do whatever we want, but at the same point in time, we've played that show through enough times that we know to stand in certain positions at certain times. So you don't explode. So yeah. <laughs> it's less we, fly we by the city of fans. <laughs> yeah. The less combustion, the better. Um, yeah. yeah. Should be the main aim. Yeah. I wanted to talk about, you know, we've, you just mentioned returning to the stage is almost going to be a bit like a foreign feeling after not having done it for so long. Fingers crossed that will be happening at the end of this year. You guys oh, are God. pressing yeah. everything that the Night and Day Festival will be yeah. happening for New Year's to sort of fuck off 2021 and hope for a better year mm. next year. Yeah. Eat a bowl of dicks. Exactly, exactly. I mean, the lineup is stacked and it's an interesting one as well. Like Polaris, Alex Leahy, you got Clowns, The Chats. Like there's a good range of artists on this lineup. Yeah. And it takes place at a fucking castle, which is yeah. insane. On New Year's Eve. On New Year's Eve, <laughs> you know, are you going to be using this as an opportunity to sort of get back on the bike, as it were, and just have fun with it? Or do you feel like it's going to be a moment for Parkway to be road testing you shit? Like, how, how do you reckon your approach <laughs> is going to change? Um, it's not so much, well, definitely not playing new stuff in terms of new music, mainly because, like, I, I hate for the first version of what we create to be a shitty youtube off the back of someone's phone true true got parkway's new song first one to put it up you can hear me giggling halfway through it and then someone spilled a beer on me but it's good <laughs> or it's not good or like, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah so we never we never do that these days yeah fair. basically we just want to like we want to celebrate it we want to play yeah. bangers we want oh, yeah the, like for us, it's our first show back. I'm guessing for a lot of people, it's going to be their first show back. Most of the True. bands, their first show back. New Year's Eve in a fucking castle. I just kind of want to make it seem like the gig to end the world kind of thing. That's kind of <laughs> the like, that's that's kind of the feeling that that we all have. Like we we're bringing production and everything. But yeah, if you, if you do mostly wizard and less Cookie Monster, there's every chance you'll open a portal. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but the incantations will finally work. Yeah, hey man, if you play all our songs backwards, you'll eventually you'll eventually open that portal. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Secret messages. Yeah, fantastic. No, it yeah. should be good. Like if you add all those elements up, um, the potential for what this gig has on offer is pretty insane. Like we're only ever going to have one first gig back from a pandemic. Everyone in this world is going to have that one first mm. gig back after not having anything for two years mm. and if this yeah. is the night then fucking hell we're gonna send it <laughs> mm. Fuck yeah! fucking hell Fuck we're gonna yeah. send it very very good <laughs> friends that is a really cool way to end this episode before we get into the bonus episode where we talk about winston mccall and all the music that's hit different over his life if you're a subscriber it'll be there in your podcast feed rn that means right now you may have seen it already Get it free this Thursday as well. Support Hit Different and other Mushroom podcasts covering Australian music by becoming a subscriber. Check out the show notes. We won't text you. Check out the show notes for more information. <laughs> you get early access, ad-free episodes. Uh, I won't send you mic pics. That's a, not a funny joke. Um, my name is Michael. Okay, move on. And anything else we can. 
<laughs> most importantly, you'll be contributing to original local music journalism and also contributing to, you know, getting the word out about bands like Parkway Drive, which Winston points out, you know, are not an easily accessible uh, <laughs> cookie cutter kind of rock and roll <laughs> band. This is something where you've, you know, you've got to invest and you do get that catharsis and you get that power. And Yeah, know, the cannot, payoff's worth it. The payoff. Woohoo! Yeah. Thank you for hanging out with us. You want you want to come uh, do a little bit of bonus episode, Winston? Thanks, time for the bonus episode, eh? I'll think it's time. Yeah. Bonus yeah. episode. Get, get <laughs> it now. Let's do it. Okay. 